Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Birch Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, which happens to be also the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that we host here at Silver Birch Ranch. It's a great way for you to focus on the Bible for a year, but then also get exposed to serving within the context of camping ministry. But really, it's 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 a mindset of being um, being used in the kingdom in whatever field you go you know, go into, whether it's into ministry, whether it's just into a normal vocation, it really isn't, it's more of a foundational thing. And, and even last episode, uh, which you, if you missed it, head over to silvertrench.org and you could check it out. But we talked about, um, well, the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about principles that are easier to, to teach young than try to retroactively teach. Right. And in the last episode, we talked about just the intentionality of, of building some of those blocks that then are the the key things that will help you succeed down the right path and and with uh, Nicolay Bible Institute that's what we could try to do for college age students not that you have to be in, you know that college age lover you can be older to come to Nicolay Bible right. Institute it's just that happens to be the niche that we draw but then wherever they go whether they go to a college whether they go right into the workforce at least then it helps them have that biblical foundation to then perceive the world and that's so right. uh, feel free to head over to NicolayBibleInstitute.org for more information. And uh, we'd love to, if you know anybody that you think would be a good fit, we'd love for them to come and visit and check it out. Um, it's reasonable and uh, it's fun. You get to hang out with goofs like Dave and myself. There you go. Uh, which for the first part of that, I apologize for. But Yeah, well, do, do you know, do you say niche or niche? Niche. I say niche. Well, you're Swedish. That's my niche. You don't know how to, <laughs> <laughs> or is it niche? All right, we'll go there. Uh, from now on, it's going to be niche, because <laughs> that that fits my personality. People would think that man is well refined. He, <laughs> he says niche when he meant niche or niche. I whatever. must say, as I think of you, Dave, I don't know if I've ever heard like thought of putting the phrase. Well refined. Yeah, well refined <laughs> is yeah. I think that describes me well. It does All have right. a certain je ne sais quoi. To Not it. yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> <laughs> it goes right with the niche. Oh man. Or niche or niche or whatever we're calling it now. Yeah. Uh, we some of the stuff that I think we need to be intentional about teaching. We've been going through a list a little bit as we get time and again intentionality in teaching. When I say that, I want everyone to always understand, I'm not talking about necessarily lectures. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about lifestyle. Yeah. You teach by observation far more than you do by words. You back up your observation with words. Right. You don't just talk the talk. Right. You walk the you walk. Can, that, that's a phrase from your generation. It is. and you, But you can start even with some words and then yeah. back it up and then talk about it some more. But the key learning experience comes from the word experience, that, that's what happens. You, yeah. you watch it, you see it, it becomes a lifestyle. It's not something that's a moment in history and we all trying to make those moments, but mm -hmm. no, it's more of a lifestyle. That's why parents have the most critical role in the training of a child. Your children from the day they're born are observing you. They're watching you. Yeah, and that's why I think Satan is so profoundly interested in media. Yeah. Because they watch it. Mm -hmm. and they watch it. They could be watching pornography. They could be watching. So they're learning on what relationships, what sexual relationships look like with pornography. Mm -hmm. And th th that's how they're learning, Yeah. regardless of what you say mm -hmm. um, and other areas of life. And that's why it's important to demonstrate things 
to limit media, to make sure that they're getting into their heads the right observations. Because if they aren't, I'm telling you, what they observe will be their main teacher. Mm -hmm. And if uh, your child is caught on watching television for hours and hours a day or whatever media they have on, then realize that's where they're learning hmm. because they're observing, and Satan knows that. Yeah. Um, and anyway, you, you, that's something I think God could work in each heart if you have children and uh, help you understand what you need to do. We're going through a list. If you want to go back to uh, uh, get the other programs here at silvertrans.org, go ahead, yep. and, and it'll guide you back that way. Um, we were talking about what success looked like in former programs. We were talking about teaching that you actually work hard, uh, you know, put in eight hours. If you work eight hours, put in eight hours and how to do that, uh, becoming a lifelong learner. Uh, the fourth thing I want to talk about is I would love to teach young people to be a linchpin instead of grease. A linchpin. So for those city nights that yeah. are listening, remind us what a linchpin is. Yeah. There, let's say you have a, an axle and you're putting a tire, a, a wheel on it. Yep. And the wheel, you, you would grease so that there's no noise and it goes and the friction isn't there. And again, some people think that's my job, not to, you know, to make sure there's no friction. Right. Well, okay, that's nice. How, however, uh, the key job is really you drill a hole into the axle and after the wheel is on, you put something like a cotter pin, or in this case, it's called a linch pin, mm -hmm. so that the wheel won't come off. Right. And, and what I love to try and demonstrate to young people is be in a position that actually you're a linchpin where it matters, where, where you actually make a difference. And if you weren't there, it's, you realize, boy, it would be different if I wasn't here. Mm -hmm. Some have come to me. It's interesting because we use a lot of volunteers. or Absolutely. Summer staff you know. and all that. Well, through the years, there have been people, especially some adults, who come up and volunteer for a weekend. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, they may come to me and say, you know, I don't know how you run this place. I don't know how you would have survived without me. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's why you were here then, wasn't it? Yeah. And they all look at me funny if I say that. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's why you were here. You were here to fill that role. Yeah. And you did. And because you filled it, you were thinking, I don't know how you filled this without me. I guess we wouldn't have this weekend. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Then they walk away scratching their head like, That's not was right. that supposed to be a compliment? Right. That, that, <laughs> you know, what did he just do to me? That's right. Well, the truth is, I, go ahead and work in a way where it matters if you're not there. Mm -hmm. Because that's what a linchpin does. It, it actually holds things together. It doesn't just make them move without noise or or seamlessly, or whatever else. No, it, it holds it together. Mm -hmm. And you can be that person. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes a different kind of mentality to do that. Uh, because a lot of people would rather just um, not make waves and, and get along and uh, no, be the one that, that holds, look around and say, what, what needs to be done here? Mm -hmm. What's really interesting is if you do that, then the people that are in your circle will do that. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you got people taking care of things. Um, when I walk around camp, uh, when my dad walked around camp many years ago, he would never walk by a piece of paper that was on the ground without picking it up. Mm -hmm. And I would think, that's not his job. Mm -hmm. Well, one day he said that to him, obviously. And it was like, well, whose job is it? 
Uh, well, the person who threw it there shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> well stated. Yeah. Well, okay. That solves everything, Dave. Thanks. Can you go find that person? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> how does that solve anything? <laughs> and I, I realized that it's like he's a linchpin. Yeah. And he basically says, I'm walking by a piece of paper. I can bend over and pick it up. I need to pick it up because it, it shouldn't be there where he doesn't have to. He could step on it, ignore it, mm-hmm. whatever he wants to do. And from that day on, I think I have trouble now when I walk around camp not picking it up right. and when I see it. Now, I don't always see it, obviously, but when I see it, it's like, oh, I got to pick that up. Mm-hmm. In fact, I played a game one summer. I wanted to make it from one building to another without doing that. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I always found something, something, right. some scrap somewhere that oh, yeah. somebody put down. Do you know what would happen, though, to our grounds alone if everybody that walked it thought that way? Oh, yeah. We wouldn't have any paper on the ground. Right, or garbage or whatever. Garbage, yeah. uh, old balloon pieces, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. We wouldn't have any because people would all be linchpins. They wouldn't be, it's not my job to bend over every 10 feet and pick something up. Mm-hmm. Even more, it's, if they throw it in garbage in the first place. Right, right. And actually, my wife and I have taken our three boys during the summertime and in the afternoon and said, all right, today we're going to go walk around camp and pick up garbage. Yep. You know, and it's not that we have to. But we, we want to teach them that. We right. want to teach them like, you know, it, it's almost the same thing that your dad did. It's right. Like, well, why do we have to do this? Well, who else is going to do it? Yeah, it's on the ground. That's why. You know, but not only teaches them that, but then it says, oh, I need to make sure I throw stuff in the garbage. Yeah. You know, because they're like, if it's in the garbage, we wouldn't have to pick this up off the ground. Exactly. You know, and so it just teaches them without, you know, making it a difficult. You and know, honestly, when your kids see somebody thoughtlessly throw stuff on the ground mm-hmm. it'll bother them yeah it'll bother them to the point like it did me when i was growing up that i would go pick it up right away yeah all right say don't do that pick that up right and be an enemy for life to the person because oh, yeah. you're trying to accuse them of being <laughs> sloppy it reminds me of when i was in northern ireland for a bit of time and i worked with young people over there and i was we uh i had a couple of young people that we went out and grabbed uh we went to it I'll use local terminology. Went to a chippy, okay, and grab you know food, which of is course. like a fish and chip shop. Yeah, a chippy, uh, and so much like here, there's always like to go containers, you know. Right. And so having to be a to go container, and we're heading back, and so the one of the kids, uh, one of the young guys, is sitting in my back seat, and all of a sudden I hear the window go down, and by the time I look back, it was too late. He literally took his to go container because he was done and chucked out the window. Oh no! I was like, "What?" And so I stopped and I made him go pick it up. But I was like, "My mind, I like the <laughs> the category in my mind is like, what? You don't do that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have driven me totally bizarre. Oh, I, I like, mean, it, it totally like, it almost it totally caught me off guard because I was, it like it wasn't even a category of things that could potentially happen. Right. And it happened. I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> and it, and it's pretty low on the all-time evil list. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean it, yeah, it's, yeah, right. It's not at the end of the day it's like we'll go pick it up. It's not like you. But yeah. it was still like one of those Well, you know, that. the the difference right there, Jason, is a linchpin would have stopped and had him go pick it up. A, yeah. a grease would have said I don't want to rock the boat. Right. I want to keep things at a, at a certain level. Right. And that's why I'm saying be a linchpin, not not grease. Right. Uh, you do need grease. I understand it. There are times you want things to, you know, this doesn't matter. Don't let that get in the way. I, mm-hmm. Okay. There's times you want to grease the actual, I understand. Absolutely. But the mind frame of being a linchpin, 
Because there are so many things in life that just don't need to be done because people aren't responsible. You could, instead of linchpin, you could say be responsible. Um, right. You could say that too, whatever be, you be want Be responsible, to... do the right thing. Because right. sometimes being a linchpin might mean being unpopular. Right. Because oh, you stand up for the right thing yep. in the midst of everybody doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And if you thought, if everyone was responsible, if you think how much more efficient the whole world would be. Yeah. For example, if you come to Silver Birch Ranch, Along Highway 55, which you're traveling from 64 to 55, when you get a little closer to camp, there's a sign that says Silver Birch Ranch. You know, we're the highway people. Where we go and we clean the sides of the highway. Yeah, the sponsors of yeah. the highway. We do that twice a year, I believe. Yeah. I'm thinking, why do we have to do that? Mm-hmm. Why do people throw stuff out of their car window? Mm. This is so unnecessary. Right. It isn't unnecessary. You see the garbage we pick oh, up. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Now, my wife and I, we walked down Sawyer Lake Road, which is pretty much an abandoned back roads road, except for all the logging trucks from the derecho still hauling logs. That's right. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, we just bring a garbage bag and we spend the day picking up the garbage on the side of this abandoned road. Yeah. It's amazing. And while I'm doing it, I'm saying, really? Mm. Who would open their window and chuck this out? Yeah. So you're drinking something, whatever it is, and you open a window and chuck the can out? Mind-boggling. Why? Yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. So linchpin thinking is what I'm demonstrating here. I'm not, th- yeah. you know, I'm not, be responsible. If um, maybe you do need to walk in and pick up what other people messed up because you're a linchpin. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make it right. Yeah. You can't, st- you know, I can't stop everybody who throws a can on a road. I don't even, I don't even know who they are. Mm. but I can go clean it up yeah and so that's what I guess you spend your time doing so that would be the 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 fifth or or the fourth thing I would teach a young person is to try and think in that mentality and to try and uh, obviously lead in a way where other people do that with them Mm -hmm. you know you'll know you succeed when one of your sons tells some of his friends when they come let's do something let's go pick up garbage then we'll do something yeah and they do it with them and you're not even there Mm -hmm. then it's like Ah, he got it because the place is a mess or he sees it you know when i was a kid when i saw the mess on the ground at camp i was hoping my dad didn't because i knew that meant (laughs) (laughs) we'd end up cleaning it up so you'd go the opposite way well i just hope he didn't see it which never happened yeah because he had and i thought your eyes are like attracted to garbage (laughs) they must be and now your eyes are i know they are (laughs) or anything that's out of the ordinary yeah you know, I tell the, the Nicolay Bible Institute students all the time, you go into a bathroom and the toilet's not clean, clean it. They look at me the first time I say it, like, you are in space. Yeah. Why am I in space? Well, no one would know you did it. Somebody needs to know you did it. Mm-hmm. That's not linchpin thinking. Linchpin thinking is, is you know what? This is dirty. The next person that comes in is going to have to experience this. Mm-hmm. I am going to clean it for him, yeah. whoever it is. I'm not saying you should do that in a gas station. You might, you might, you know, have toxic death after that. I have no idea what's in those places. Mm. Uh, but it, I know. I please don't, <laughs> please don't write me if you own a gas station. I, I'm sure yours is clean. Dave always goes the extreme yeah. with his illustrations. Yeah, but it, you know, here at camp, I can say it. I can say, you know, you're trained to serve, so you see something out of place. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and like you, on the days that we transition, 
often you'll see me and I'll see you doing something, but I'll be around the dining hall. I'm just sweeping and I'm cleaning and I'm mm -hmm. picking up garbage. Yeah. And you know, what's really amazing to me is the amount of college kids that'll sit there and watch me. Yeah. Yep. And I'm thinking, I am not going to lecture them. I am just going to give them an example of what a linchpin looks like. Yeah. Because honestly, I could not have sat there when I was in college and watched somebody 65 years old mm -hmm. pick up paper and stuff around me without helping them. I couldn't have done it. Yeah. And that is something that I think is so missing from our young culture right now yeah. is the idea that I want to pitch in and be helpful to the point where it matters. The whole idea of shared ownership. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And we've used a few words here, ownership, responsibility, yep. linchpin, whatever you want. Somehow you got to teach it. Absolutely. And in order to teach it, you got to do it. In mm -hmm. order to do it, there will be times where you do it and nobody joins you, I promise. Yeah. And you don't really help them by forcing them to join you either. Unless If they're your children, yes. You say, here's what we're doing as a family. I think that's excellent. Mm -hmm. But if they're outside your family, just do it. Yeah. Eventually... You'll see somebody might help eventually, and uh, when they do, you'll you'll be shocked. Mm -hmm. And yet, at the same point, they learn by example because if they're sitting there not doing it, but they start to because you're doing it, right. there was the lesson right there. You you need not teach that again. So that would, I would encourage you, and your wife, and and any parents listening, how can we teach our young kids in our home to be these linchpins? I mean, how do we do that? Yeah, um, and we just gave you a few ideas on how to do that. Uh, the the fifth thing I would teach is, I really want each person, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, in the last program, but I want every young person to understand how God made them in a very unique way. Yeah, to keep developing that uniqueness and enjoy it. Yeah, not to think that they have to be like people around them. There's there's nothing right about trying to be the same. Right. And yet that's the hardest thing because the world says compare yourself to the person next to you. Right. And you can't because the Bible says that we're a part of the body. And we're all different. Oh, man. Yeah. Fingers, toes, ears, elbows. I mean, my goodness, if you were start to say the perspective of your elbow, if it had a perspective, was the same as the heel of your foot, you'd be nuts. They're totally different. Mm-hmm. They're totally necessary. They need to work together. They need to appreciate what each other does. Mm -hmm. But they don't have anything similar. Right. Pretty much. So yeah, how do you teach that, though? I mean, how do you how do you teach? I always, if I see some young person that has any artistic ability, mm -hmm. I don't think I have much. So I'll go to them and I'll be amazed by it and ask them to do something for me normally. Right. Ask them, can you draw this? Can can I can I get this from you? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've done that with a book where we ask them to illustrate a book for us, and they've done that. And it's like, you know, I'm going to find what you're good at, and I'm going to try and put you in a place where you use it. Mm. And when you do that, what you'll do is is discover yourself the path you should be on. Yeah. And that's kind of hard sometimes. Um, if you have struggled with your child's personality, if you're a, I hope you know whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, mm -hmm. there's a difference and there's not a right or wrong. Right. One of the worst things, by the way, you could do is ever treat 
those who are introverts as if they have a disease. Hmm. They don't. And you need to recognize that if you're an extrovert and quit thinking you have to get them out of their shell. Right. That isn't the goal. In, in fact, you need to understand how to celebrate their introvertness. And the introvert needs to know how to celebrate your extrovertness. Absolutely. So you don't try and change that, though. That's not what you want to do in life. Mm -hmm. um, any parents that want a resource, uh, one of the books my wife and I read, in fact, she read it aloud while we drove places, is The Introvert Advantage. It's a great book. It's very educationally sound. I, I don't think it's a biblical book. I'm just saying it's a great book mm. in, in that it explains uh, here's the giftedness of both. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there was a guy who read that book. He was uh, in a either retirement home or nursing home. I can't remember. He was older. And I guess we were told that the, when he finished it in the last few chapters, tears just streamed down his cheeks because all his life he thought he was defective. Mm. Here's a guy that finally realized that he was made to be an introvert mm -hmm. and should have been able to bloom there, yeah. you know, and, and use those gifts and talents. Um, and that's something uh, that we need to recognize and do. Here, I, I'll show you some practical examples. If I'm, if I'm recognizing introverts and extroverts and I'm, we're at church and we're going to do something at church with a group of people, we're going to have a, a dessert something. Mm hmm what I'll do is I'll go in that room ahead of time and I'll put up what I call the introvert chairs. Hmm. I'll take three chairs, four chairs, group them in the corners. Yeah. And then I'll go and I'll leave the center open. Yeah. And I'll put a limbo there, you know, or <laughs> something. You know, I mean, I don't care what I do there, but right. I'll leave it open. Why? You could, I'm actually a lean introvert, not extrovert. Yeah. So I would be the one, I'd be more tending to be in the chairs. I'm really on the border there. I could do either. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really comfortable, not as an extreme extrovert, but as an extrovert, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm also uncomfortable saying nothing to anybody and being by myself. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, that's how I am. Yep. Yeah. I'm so kind of right in the middle. There's a lot of people that can play the middle. I, I really, but I test as an introvert. Mm -hmm. If you were to put me on a test, I test as an introvert. And uh, my wife is introverted. So we are an introvert couple. Yeah. There's no doubt. But we're a very productive couple. Yeah. Uh, we are comfortable being introverts, so we use it. Mm -hmm. uh, for things that, that work. And then the chairs in the corner of that room are made so that the introverts can come sit and watch, you know, the extroverts do the limbo together. And, and they can sit and talk and have a meaningful discussion while that's going on. Mm -hmm. And to an introvert, that's more important than going out. And it, it's not that the extroverts don't have a relationship. They do, but they do it while they limbo. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the introvert would rather not. Yeah do that they would rather discuss something mm -hmm. um so uh, all i'm asking is that you're aware that there's a difference that you don't have to try and change it um extroverts are not diseased yeah I, and if you've listened to these programs you know as a teacher i told you that or i told you that in my class i dealt with all kinds of people yeah and their personality is not the problem the the problem is trying to get everybody to conform to the same personality so that you can be okay hmm. that's the problem and that is so much it's so much harder in life to deal with people in the realm of allowing them to exercise their gifts and talents than it is to make everybody conform to your narrowness yeah so i know it's more work but it really will develop more leadership mm -hmm. uh, down the road because you can see what they're good at and let them do it absolutely and you also know what they're not so good at and you uh 
you let the people who can supplement it do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want someone to, to greet people here, you, you know, and, and get in front of people and do all kinds of really cool, fun stuff, uh, not bad to find an expert who loves doing it mm-hmm. um, and, and let them go. Yeah. You know, let them do it. And don't be jealous that they're doing that because yeah. that's what they do naturally. Um, anyway, uh, sixth thing. Uh, not only do you want to identify it, but you should be committed to the process uh, of continuing to develop that skill. Yeah. So if if you are an introvert, here here's how that goes. You say, okay, here's the you know here's the good stuff of being an introvert. Mm-hmm. I also want you to understand that's the bad stuff because anything taken to an extreme could be bad. becomes the bad stuff. Yes. So now, now what you're doing is in the process of understanding who you are, you're constantly learning how to be who you are better. Yeah. It, you don't, you know, so a, a, an introvert isn't beating themselves up because they're not an extrovert. If they need something where there's an extrovert needed, they find somebody who works that part of the body. Mm-hmm. Maybe they work with them, they do whatever, or they, they step out of their introvertedness for a little bit and become uncomfortable. You know yeah. what I mean? You do that. And I, I can do that very easily. I can slip over there play around on that side for a while, but you know, I don't last that long there, I'll leave, mm-hmm. you know. But I can do it yeah. if, if I have to. And I think that's what you wanna do, identify, okay, here's who I am. One of the worst things you can do is say, well, you know, that's just not me, so I'm not gonna try that at all. Mm. How about trying it within the scope of who you are? Yeah. You know, that's all. And, and, and learning, there are times where you do step out of who you are, go ahead and step out of it, because you need to. Yeah. You know, if if I'm a, you know, out in a in a military group and and we're charging up a hill and I'm introverted and I'm the one in charge of saying charge, let's run. Then I need to then do it. Then you need to do it. Yeah, whether mm-hmm. I like it or not is really. Yeah, there's some things you just need to do. Yeah. So I, I hope that makes sense to people. It's not that you ever want to limit who you are. You need to learn how to be who you are and, and always learn how to be who you are better. So yeah. you're always looking at ways to do that, and say I could be better at this and. The minute you stop that, see your your strengths become weaknesses, hmm. because you just start relying on stuff that comes natural to you, and you no longer put yourself in a position where you'll grow and stretch yourself because you want to be around everything you could do well already. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that you know that sometimes you have to even live through other people and give them things and teach them so you can enjoy more growth because yeah. you're watching them go through a process. Absolutely. Anyway, does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's important to, to realize that each, it, you know, just focus on one thing at a time. That way you can achieve, you know, because we're always growing, we're always learning. And I think some of these things, some of these terminologies, maybe we never thought if we were extroverted, introverted, you know, and, and realizing that it's almost like you, you lift the shades. You're like, oh, okay, now this makes sense. It's kind of like the whole Enneagram movement. Right. You know, and if you don't know what Enneagram is, just Google it. And yeah. that's a whole nother discussion on a whole nother day. But it's the same thing. It's 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 a it's a way to understand how God has created you. And if you understand how God has created you with different gifts and leanings and bents, then you know, all right, here's where I naturally tend to lean and, and I'm good at, and here's the things that I'm not necessarily leaning or good Absolutely. at. But then it also highlights areas that you could potentially be weak at. Right. And so that's where you f- can focus on and say, All right, God, help me to to grow in this and help me to learn in this, which is great. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for uh, on the show here today with uh, 
uh, younger and older, I encourage you to listen to this episode back again. Check out some other podcasts at SoberTranch.org. Otherwise, this is Jason Dave. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.